Hello and welcome to Plot Threads. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. So this was published in 2018 and is the first in a series, but um, I, I'm not sure what the name of the series is. So, Is the second book published yet? Yeah, second book is published uh, and the third book is coming out soon. Okay. I'm going to start with the book jacket because I think that's where we have to start. I usually have a lot of like prefacey things I want to say, but I don't tonight. Great. So Stella Lane thinks math is the only thing that unites the universe. She comes up with algorithms to predict customer purchases, a job that has given her more money than she knows what to do with and way less experience in the dating department than the average 30 year old. It doesn't help that Stella has Asperger's and French kissing reminds her of a shark getting its teeth cleaned by pilot fish. Her conclusion, she needs lots of practice with a professional, which is why she hires escort Michael Fan. The Vietnamese and Swedish stunner can't afford to turn down Stella's offer and agrees to help her check off all the boxes on her lesson plan, from foreplay to more than missionary position. Before long, Stella not only learns to appreciate his kisses, but crave all of the other things he's making her feel. Their no-nonsense partnership starts making a strange kind of sense, and the pattern that emerges will convince Stella that love is the best kind of logic. This is not a bad jacket at all, actually. What do you think? No. It's very very focused on Stella which makes sense because she's the protagonist and almost mm-hmm. everything about Michael veers into spoiler territory yes so on the one hand I think it does his character a disservice but on the other hand I can't think of a better way to do it yeah yeah I, I think it's I think it's good I think you get an idea of what you're gonna get it gives you a good idea of how fun the book is gonna be yes and um yeah I don't know. I, I, I will say that I like this book a lot. So I liked this book overall, for sure. Yeah. Well, as you know, we write our own summaries based on a random number that we generate. And this week we generated the number 31. Go ahead and start with mine. This book sounds like a male fantasy. Buttoned up accountant with glasses seeks sex tutoring from hot male escort. Wait, this book is a female fantasy. All that, but with emotions, too. Yeah. (laughs) I really didn't pick up on, in the text, the degree to which she was his fantasy come to life beyond Uh, the beginning. Yeah. Like, he talks about it very clearly in the beginning, and he talks about it when he meets her for the first time. But everything they do together going forward really continues to play into that fantasy, but not Uh in a way that, like, hits you over the head. Yes. That's good. Okay, so mine. Smart, successful Stella has managed to find coping mechanisms for everything except relationships. Emotionally tormented Michael has turned to prostitution to support his family. They have really hot sex and reciprocal feelings. I mean, yeah. So look, I am going to just get this out of the way at the beginning because I feel like the past, in the past month, we've read a lot of books and we've really criticized the way they handle uh, sex work. Yes. And I, I will, I do just want to get this out of the way that I thought the way that it was presented here is probably the most sympathetic. Uh, and one of the ones that I thought was 
a good way to talk about the ambiguities of it. Yeah, I wouldn't say sympathetic because I think all the prostitutes, sex workers, owners we've read about in the last couple of months have been presented sympathetically. I think this was the most complexly presented. Yeah. I think a lot of times, especially historical romance where women are the sex workers, it's presented as empowering in a way that we both find fault with. And Michael is definitely messed up Mm -hmm. over his choice, but doesn't regret it either. I don't, yeah, he doesn't regret it. He doesn't regret that he needed to do it. Yeah, and I don't think he's ashamed that he did it. So it's, he doesn't feel like it's a shameful thing, but right. he definitely feels like it's, it's a career. It's not a career, right? It's not like a career path that's going to lead to something for him. He's not ashamed or empowered by it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a job. And one that he frankly wishes he didn't have to do. Yeah. But he's like, I'm good at it. Yeah. So I definitely, trigger warning, I wouldn't put it under offensiveness in the way it's portrayed here. Yeah. But trigger warning for sure, because like some people just don't want to read about sex work. So like this book is about sex work from one of the person's perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I think they they do delve into it. Um, Helen Huang really, I think, like Lane said, it's 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 a very complex part of Michael's life. Yes. Not it's not glossed over. Um, Okay, which leads us to our first trope. This is basically like gender bent pretty woman. It's not basically it is. And my favorite part is Meg read this before me. So I was like texting her updates on what we were going to record because I'm going to be real with you guys. What we record is mostly based on what I feel like reading. (laughs) And I felt like reading this. So I was just letting Meg know where I was at with it. And Meg was like, did you pick up on the fact that it's gender swapped pretty woman? And I was like, yeah, I picked up on that when they started talking about pretty woman in the book. Yeah. Like, you can't, and Meg pointed out that romance novels aren't always that subtle, so. Look, you know, I don't read romance novels for the subtle, you know, <laughs> the subtlety. <laughs> subtle, you that. know, is a better way to put it. Yeah, the subtle, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't, look, I'll just say I don't appreciate subtlety in my romances. <laughs> so both of them are tropes. Oh, totally, yes. So she's like, like I said in my um, 31 word summary, she's like totally the hot librarian. She is like the hot librarian. She wears. um, She's a conometrician though. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. She's not actually a librarian. She's. Yeah. Uh, But she wears like pencil skirts and the white button down shirt, the glasses. She has her hair up all the time and like a bun or a tight, like a very high ponytail, you know? Just mm-hmm. like she is the girl in the music video who takes her hair out, takes off her glasses, and everyone's like, whoa, she's actually hot. Like, that scene actually happens. She uh-huh. takes her hair down at work, and people freak out. Uh-huh. She's like, oh, I guess I, I left my rubber band, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. She she Well, the best part is she took down her hair to, like, sex Tim. Oh, yeah, to sex Tim. And then right. she broke her hair tie. <laughs> It was really pretty funny. It was it was art. It was great. <laughs> it was really uh, good. And he is the hooker with a heart of gold. Totally. He's also got There's, a big, yeah. I was going to say, I think from here on out, um, every trope I identified is pretty much a historical romance trope. Yeah, but that's fine, Which though. 
I loved because this is not a historical romance. Exactly. I, I, you know, Lane and I have nothing against contemporary romance. It's just not our thing. Usually like we don't, we don't love it. I think when we really do like a contemporary, it's because it has the historical tropes. Yeah. I think for me, just historicals are maximum escapism. Mm-hmm. But there are yeah. tons. So Meg, you were saying big, crazy family. Oh yeah. Big, crazy family. This, and the big, crazy family is Michael's. Yeah. He yeah. only has sisters. And how many sisters does he have? Five? Yeah, that's what I thought. I was going to say, I'm, I'm thinking five, but I could have been wrong. But yeah, five sisters. And then his mom and his grandma um, live there. His father left the family after having yeah. six kids. He has daddy issues. He has major daddy issues. So yes, another another romance. Another historical romance trope. She has secret wealth. She's an heiress, but doesn't let anyone know. Yeah, so like, you know she's well-to-do. Like, you know she has this big, fancy job. Mm-hmm. But you find out that she's an heiress as it progresses. Yes. Um, there's the confrontation with the ex. And this is, this is both historical and contemporary. Well, and the ex is a much older woman. Yes. Yes, who hired. I mean, I mean, as an ex, ex as an is ex, an ex client. client. Yeah, exactly. I put ex only very intentionally. Yes. Um, she's a workaholic and has no life outside of work. Like the, her passion is her work. Yes. And they both have marriage-minded matchmaking mamas. Mm-hmm. And... We haven't seen this one a lot in the historicals we've read, but it's a huge trope in, like, romance movies. Yeah. Impromptu duet. Yes. Like, it turns out, like, one of them singing is a big part of the personality and the other can sing. In this case, it's piano playing is a big part of her personality, but he can play piano. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, it's in that one, it was in that one historical that we both really liked, uh, One Night with the Prince, I think. Yes. She turns him down for the duet. Remember? Because she can't read. she can't read. Okay, okay. Uh, and, and then, yes. This one is reminiscent of Sarah McLean's Scottish boy. It's Scott in the Dark. Thank you. He is a man who has prostituted himself, who thinks women only want him for his body, and doesn't believe he can be wanted for more than that. That's right. And I mean, it, it helps, it doesn't help that Stella is basically like spectacular in every other part of her life, you know? Well, and it makes sense too. Like he talks about the fact that he's in his sex work, not really dealing with his type, Mm -hmm. AKA women within 25 years of his age. Yeah. And I think that it makes sense that not only is Stella young and hot, but is exactly his type. Yeah. Which that's, again, that's something Lane and I have talked about that we were kind of into in romance novels. Yeah. Like give us the girl who, you know, we both just basically, we both dislike it when the guy is like, Oh, well I'm not normally into whatever, but she makes it work. Cause it, it makes it be like the, not like other women. Trope. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the issue for us, like going into our deep-seated psychological issues lane. That's a really good point. Thanks. <laughs> but so I think both of us like it when they are each other's type, basically, you know? 
Also, it makes it, generally speaking, get to the sex quicker. That helps, yeah. <laughs> so this is a debut novel. I could not believe it. This book is so well written, really, really good, just very professional, very polished, really good. Couldn't believe it was a debut. Yeah, I actually didn't realize that until I read your notes and I was shocked. Mm-hmm. So it's really good. So as the book jacket mentions, she is autistic on the autism right. spectrum. Um, I don't think Asperger, Asperger's is a word people use anymore. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think some people do, but... I, I, I don't think medically it's... Oh, possibly I, I not, think, yeah. I think now it's all, like, within the autism spectrum how it's discussed. Spectrum, it's not differentiated. Yeah. Not sure, though. I could have read an article that was bullshit, but I think uh, we're not I, supposed to talk about that anymore. <laughs> okay, well, she she's a person with autism. She's a person on the autism spectrum. Yeah. Um, but, and he is... Vietnamese and Swedish. So this book deals with neurotypical versus non-neurotypical people. It has several non-neurotypical characters mm -hmm. and it also deals with racial diversity and contextualizes it within the U.S., which I think is something that a lot of novels that deal with race relations don't take the time to do. Yeah, agreed. Maybe that's just because we read historicals that are only set in England. I think part of it is that we read mostly historicals, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not I will criticize us too. Yeah. But, yeah. There you go. Uh, but I, I, I really appreciated the way it was written because also she presents it in a way that's just, this is just life and not a, Oh guys, did you see? I have an autistic heroine or I have an Asian hero. Right. Yes. Like it's presented as this is the, this, these are these people, these are actual people, they're living their lives, and they happen, he happens to be Asian, she happens to be on the spectrum. I think it goes further than that and is better than that. Mm -hmm. This thing just happens to be, kind of reminds me of blind casting, where yeah. they are both very much shaped by their That's true. identities. It's very much a part of the text, but it's not treated as othering. Yes. I liked that she, as a heroine, had a very distinctive voice. Yes. Mm -hmm. As a reader who is not, as a reader who's neurotypical, I definitely found the way she chose to word things interesting. Yeah. And it matches the experience I've had interacting with non-neurotypical people in my life. So I think yeah. she did a very, very good job of writing a complex character with specific traits yeah. without othering. Yes. Agreed. It was, it was good. Um, also I liked, so this goes back to our review of my beautiful enemy. I actually loved how uh, Stella, both Stella and Michael, one of the things they bond over is that they both really like Wuxia movies. So anyway, I was just like, wait, I know what Wuxia is because I read my beautiful enemy. <laughs> So very cute, I thought. Reading teaches you things. I learn so much. Yeah. In general. <laughs> <laughs> Books teach you stuff. I learn stuff. So that was learn cool. it. <laughs> yeah. So Michael, as we've mentioned, is working as a sex worker once a week, but he is a designer who is helping out with his family's 
dry cleaning slash tailoring business mm-hmm. for various personal reasons. And the description of clothes in this book is really good. If anyone is into clothes porn, yeah, I really recommend. And I mean, I I want I I have never gotten my clothes tailored. I have what? thought I know. I have thought about it. And this book like really brought it to that next level as I was like, I need to find a tailor. Okay, no, seriously, mm-hmm. best thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Like clearly I'm not like these people. Most of my wardrobe is not tailored. Mm-hmm. But for outfits I really care about, I absolutely go to a tailor and it it's the best thing. Like if, if I'm buying an outfit for a special occasion, I go like yeah. two sizes too big. Yeah. Just to make sure that my tailor has seams to work with. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of the thing for me is that my, my mother, um, sews. So like at my wedding, she made me like stuff for my wedding, you know, did your mom make your wedding dress? She didn't make my wedding dress, but she tailored it and she made my little bolero that went over it. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) No, I mean, but that's still getting your clothes tailored. It is. It is. But like, I don't, I've never gone out to find a tailor is what I mean. Like this yeah, but book, experience of finding a tailor is what's awesome. It's having your clothes that are actually made for your body specifically. No, I know. I just don't do it that often because I don't want to be like, mom, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me again? You know? So like, I was like, I should find someone in my neighbor, my neighborhood just to go to do it, you know? But this book also made me want to get all of my clothes tailored. Yes. Like not just a couple, like it, it made me want to go with my t-shirts. Yeah. I'd be like, can you please custom make everything I wear right? for my body specifically? Exactly. I mean, and I think part of this is reading the historicals too, about them going to the seamstress and everything. God, I just want to get all my clothes made for me. This is a total digression, but I think a lot about capitalism and consumer culture. Yes. I was just thinking. <laughs> yes. I know. But it was, it's really only in the modern day that people have enough clothes to wear a different outfit every month. Mm-hmm. Like a single outfit used to cost a week or a month's salary. Mm-hmm. Whereas now clothes cost a couple hours of work. So cheap. Yeah. But so I think historicals, anytime you were paying for clothing as an exceptional commodity that you were going to keep forever and wear over and over, and you didn't have that many outfits, like clearly they were all tailored specifically to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like Macy's back when it first opened was ready to wear, but they were tailoring. Yes. And I think it's only in the very, very modern era that non-tailored clothing yes. is the norm yeah. for working class people. Yeah. Oh no. I, I was reading a, I was reading a different thing. I was reading something about the show um, What Not to Wear. Mm-hmm. And basically the answer on that show is like, yeah, you buy stuff and then they tailor it for you. And that is why it looks so good. Why did this book made us want to get all our clothes tailored? So first, <laughs> Stella has to have her clothes tailored because she has um, texture issues with clothes. Like she can't have tags or seams touching her. Um, otherwise, it like drives her bonkers. Um, so she she can't. She, she gets all of her clothes custom made and tailored. So not just tailored, but she gets like 
all the seams taken out and everything. Really, she gets her clothes custom made. And Michael is a designer who makes clothes and tailors them. Uh, basically, I was like, he is like the perfect man. So he's like super hot. He's really good in bed. He's artistic, but in like a practical way where he will like make you clothes. He and, makes her a dress in this book. Uh, and like yes. hot damn. And did I also mention that he does martial arts? Because he does. I was picturing Henry Golding. Yeah. So, yes, he is perfect. Oh, and he has a tattoo, a dragon tattoo. I was not into the constant descriptions of the tattoo. Um, I'm not usually into it, uh, but I did like it here. <laughs> there were several points where it felt like the tattoo was an additional character. It's not yes. the him being tattooed I didn't enjoy. It was like the degree to which I felt it was made sentient. It's not him having a tattoo or her admiring his tattoo. It was specifically the scene where he felt like his tattoo missed her as much as he did. <laughs> it's like, I am done talking about this tattoo. I'm done. Okay. Okay. We can finish talking about the tattoo then. Fine. Done. Okay. Okay. Um, so I will just say up front, because when we talk about sexiness, I just want to gush about it. So in our usual conversation, I do want to point out that there was literally no sex without an emotional misunderstanding. Yeah. They are not on the same page while being physically intimate ever in the text. When, and when she says on the same page, she doesn't mean like having a good time in bed. I don't mean having a good time and I'm not talking about consent. Yes. I'm talking about their perceptions of their relationship are yep. never clear. Yes. Ever. When they I mean, are having that's, sex. That's the major conflict in this book is that they, neither of them understands that the other wants to have an actual relationship. Like that's, that is the conflict in this book. And I, I mean, I understand it on the one hand because it, and this is maybe why I thought that the depiction of um, prostitution was good was because it you did realize, oh, wait, the fact that this started as a paid relationship and one person had power over the other person. When can I see you? When can I not see you? How much does it cost? This kind of thing really played a part in their relationship and trying to figure out what it means and what it doesn't. And are you being honest with me? Um, you know, because for both of them, um, it was it's very confusing to figure out because is he just saying what he wants her to hear because he's getting paid for it? Is but I think she, it also, you know, it was a lot of her neurodiversity. That too, yes. And not mm -hmm. reading gestures in the way that a neurotypical person would. That too. Mm -hmm. So I think I think it, I'm not saying it was a nothing burger of a conflict, as I usually would. Like I understood why they were never on the same page without exactly. wanting to scream, "Oh my God, just talk to each other!" Because I understood why they couldn't. Yes. I'm just pointing out that there is no no sex that is on no level angsty. Yes. Uh, and I think part of the reason, I'm just saying part of the reason is because um, it, it was a pay-for-sex relationship. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, also, she's a woman in STEM. Yes, thank you. I really liked it. I really liked that she wasn't, she wasn't seen as, like, unusual at the company where she worked. You know, she just was, she was one of their best performing people. I don't like the company where she works and I'll get into that. Oh, no, no. We can get into it there. But um, 
Yeah, but I also like that she was a woman in STEM supporting women in STEM. Yes, exactly. And I loved the way that that was handled. Mm-hmm. I agree. It was just, it was really good. I really liked it a lot. Um, Her career was a very strong point of this book. Yes, I loved it. I also really liked that the characters had complex inner lives. They had their own established social circles as well. Well, and I liked them and I liked them together. Yes. So I feel like the dynamics of this book were really well established and really well written I will say some of the way this was written Mm -hmm. made it sound like Michael had a really big secret yes so as we've discussed he's got a big crazy family but his father is absent yeah and he spends a lot of the early book ruminating on the ways he's like his father and if Stella knew who he really was. And he's not talking about the fact that he's a working sex worker because she knows that she hired him. She knows that part. Yeah. She is like reflecting on this as if there's some bigger moral failing he has to confess to. Oh, see, I thought it was something that his father did that was like, well, but if the point she is, knew. There's, yeah. There's, there's some allusions to a bigger secret that somehow yes. implicate him. Yes. And like, I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say, like, there isn't one. Yeah. At all. Agreed. Like, there was no big reveal. So I was a little bit, if there was one thing as an editor I would have done, like, this book didn't need that arbitrary conflict. It didn't need it, no. And so when it ended up being literally nothing, I was like, well, that was lame. Yeah. I guess it didn't even register for me. I was just like, meh. Yeah. So did anything about this book offend you? Like, honestly, no, I didn't find it offensive. We've already talked about prostitution. I thought it was handled pretty well um, in this book. And again, maybe it's just because it is a contemporary that I can be like, oh, okay, like this is uh, this is a this is a a employment choice, not something that he was forced into. I had two things that I didn't love. Okay, one, she has a coworker who her mom wants to set her up with. Yeah. And he forces himself on her in the workplace several times. I really disliked him. He was awful. But more importantly, no one in that complex social circle we talked about told her to report him to HR. Yeah. Instead, Michael got really jealous and threatened to fight him. Yeah. And I'm no thank you. Your ire on my behalf is appreciated, but no one is, she doesn't have the ability to register social behavior in the way that a neurotypical person does. Right. The people in her life, when hearing this, need to respond with, you were harassed in the workplace and have rights in that environment. I think it would have been totally authentic for her to reflect on that and say, hey, not worth the trouble. Like, plenty of women make that decision and they're best able to judge their own circumstances. But the fact that, like, she treated that as if it were normal and acceptable and she just had to deal with it pissed me off. And I thought it was one of the few weaknesses in that book, this book, that, like, you had workplace harassment that was never identified as such. Yeah. I And I understood that she was having a hard time identifying it. Yes. Um, and I agree. It would have been nice for her to maybe go to someone and be like, yeah, I don't know what, like, this is what he's been doing. And I feel uncomfortable, but I, that's how people are. Right. And then people, someone would be like, no, that's not how people are. 
I just don't like that it was that a man was like shown taking advantage of a non-neurotypical woman in a Mm -hmm. workplace setting and it was not commented upon beyond male jealousy bullshit. Yeah. I think if you're going to present a conflict like that, it needs to be discussed in text even if no action is taken. Even if you're not going to, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was very bothered by the fact that it wasn't addressed. Sure. All right. Uh, sexiness. Holy fucking shit. This <laughs> book is like so sexy. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was not prepared. Yeah. I was not prepared. I- uh, yeah. This book is like, really hot because and I think part of the thing too is that when you when you get this book um and you see the cover it looks like a rom-com and um this book is not rom-com sexy this book is like suddenly you sexy (laughs) Mm. okay so one consent is paramount so good it's so well done talk again talk about a book that can show you that consent is sexy right like we've talked about this and lane you have complained about how um a lot of the books where consent is sexy are sort of because the woman has suffered some kind of traumatic incident in her past that's not the case here yup I mean, she's never really enjoyed sex, but she's never felt traumatized by it either. Right. Like, she is not looking to overcome some sexual memory. She just views sex as a fucking chore. She's like, I want to be good at sex. I'm good at math. I can be good at sex. Teach me how to be good at sex. And he does? And he does. But he doesn't need to. Right. Basically, okay, this does fall into the, if it's with the right person, then sex is really good. Does a little bit fall into that? Okay, but, but that's also um, kind of true. Yes. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, I'm not saying no one's ever had good sex with someone they hated, because, like, that's happened. But on the whole, sex is better if you like the person. If you, like, like the person and spend some time hanging out with them first. It's not a one-to-one correlation, but generally speaking. Um, One of the other things that is so good about the sex in this book is how Michael responds to her and what she wants. There is a little bit of mind reading going on from him to her. Yeah. That's the part that really makes this a fantasy, and I liked it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, come on. And then also, like, yes, it's mind reading. But also, Michael's got a lot of experience figuring out what women want. So I could just be like, yeah, I can accept that. I'm raising the roof. Right? (laughs) Like, is this realistic? No. But on the other hand, he's like a male escort with, like, the hottest body ever who's had years of experience figuring out how to get, like, different kinds of women off. 
Mm -hmm. So I was like, unrealistic, but also if you're gonna have it happen in a book, I guess this is the way to do it. So here's the thing. As Meg said, he's had plenty of experience figuring out how to get different women off. He gets her off a billion times. Like a lot. A billion. And honestly, the biggest problem I have with the sexiness in this book is how willing he was to be very sexy with his mother present. (laughs) I was like, no, 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 no. Your mom could walk in on you. That should temper something. He thought about finding his mom passed out sick in the bathroom while fucking her from behind on the sink. I mean, that's not the greatest thought. I could have done without that little mention. That part. But all the rest, though. Sex scene was hot as fucking hell. Mm -hmm. There's, There's a lot of, like, physically incapable of behaving appropriately because we're so into each other in this book. Mm-hmm. And while in real life, I'd be like, excuse me, I am at work. In fantasy life, I'm like, yeah, no, this bathroom seems great. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, there's that. There's also the sexting. I actually, okay, this is a very weird thing to say during the sexiness section. The way texts were formatted in this book was great. <laughs> yes. It's like a really weird thought to have. <laughs> Look, it's related. Sexting. I just, I, a lot of modern romance novels clearly have email or sexting communication as part of the flirting. Yeah. I don't hate it. And I, I, don't, I can't say I've been particularly bothered by it in any book. The way it was formatted, literally, I mean like indentation, change of font, like the formatting within the text was the most readable version of texting I've ever read. It was great. Lane, are you, are you saying that you have never read Fifty Shades of Grey and the 50 million emails in that book? Uh, I've skimmed it. Because those are the worst emails ever. But I'm not talking about the content. I am no, literally uh, talking, that's what like, I'm talking about too. face out. Like, the ones in Fifty Shades of Grey, it's like a two-email chain. It's a whole fucking page. That's what I'm saying. It's like if you print out, it's like, you know how your work email, you have to have the signature in it? And yes. they, he like, you don't need to include that in the book. And right. Helen Huang understands that. It's beautiful. There's none right. of that, like, she doesn't timestamp them. Like, no. there's so much unnecessary bullshit when people talk about, like, modern electronic communication in a lot of romance novels that I've read. And, I mean, romance novels I love. Yeah. It was so unobtrusive, but also so obvious what was thoughts versus what was text. Yes. I was like, whoever formatted this deserves whatever the award in publishing for formatting is. It was great. So, guys, also, if you're an author and you're thinking about writing a book with with text in it, read, like, just check out the Kiss Quotient because it was very well done. We both really liked it. Anyway, I've digressed because this book was sexy as hell, and I don't mean to divert from the sexiness, but I just want to point out that the sexy messages were also really readable. Yeah, which I'm sure adds to the sexiness. I thought so. (laughs) So basically, we um, really recommend this book. It's hot. It's neurodiverse, racially diverse, and contemporary. It feels... It feels contemporary as in it feels like people I could actually meet. Yes. And I will be reading the subsequent books in the series. Yes. Have you already read them? 
Uh, yes. I thought so. Thank you guys so much for listening. We would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe.